the story of the passing of Aaron HaKohen, the high priest, through the hands of Moses and Almighty God, is conveyed here in the parsha. God tells Moses, take your brother Aaron, together with his son, Elazar, and go onto the mountain, her, 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 the mountain on top of the mountain, a double mountain. And there, Vahavshet as Adrin as Begodav, Vilbashtam as Elazar Benoi. Aaron will take off his priestly garments. He wore eight garments as the Koyin Gadol. He will walk up the mountain in his attire as a high priest and then he will take it off and give it over to his son <coughs> Elazar. And so Aaron goes into this Ma'ara. He goes into this cave which is on top of the mountain and he sees a bed that is made up and a candle that is burning. And God tells Moshe to tell Aaron, go onto the bed. He goes onto the bed, take off your clothing, give it to your son. And then Moses tells Aaron, lie down on the bed, and he says to him, Kamoitz picha, close your mouth. The key mates, Aaron, close his mouth. Atsoyimeinecha, close your eyes. V'otsam, and he closed his eyes. Miyad chomad Moshe misa. Says Rashi, at that moment, Moses desired to have such a death. A death without any pain. A death where God basically puts you in a nice bed and tells you go to sleep. This is the death Moses desired. And we find that God tells Moses when he had to pass on, you will die the same way your brother died. And God himself put Moses onto the bed and told him to close his eyes and to close his mouth. Moshe tells Aaron, you are fortunate. Look, you are able to see your son wearing your garments. Your son is your successor, but my son will not be my successor. So you should feel so fortunate how God is taking you into his arms with a kiss of death. No pain, no suffering. You are moving from this world and transporting to the world to come. And then it goes on to say, and the whole congregation saw that Aaron had expired. They began to cry over the death of Aaron. Verse number 29, for 30 days, the entire congregation of Israel. Says Rashi here, what does it mean the entire congregation of Israel in contrast to Moses where only the men cried? Because Moses primarily was their rabbi. He was their teacher. Aaron, besides being the teacher of the Jewish people, 
was also a rabbi, a mentor, and a peacemaker. As we find in Ethics of Our Fathers, Hillel says, you shall be like the students of Aaron, Oyev Shalom, who loves peace, Vereidev Shalom, pursues peace. Oyev Esebris, and you love everybody, regardless of who they are, and you bring them close to the Torah. This was Aaron. And he was a marriage counselor who brought peace between husband and wife. So now that he passes away, all the people of Israel, men and women, are crying, not only the men. The Torah tells us, right after this story, and Kanani, the king of the Kanani, the Melech of Arad, heard that Aaron died, and now he fought with Israel. What is the connection between these two stories? What's the connection between Aaron dying and now being attacked by the enemy? And as she says, he heard Shama Shemes Aaron. But he goes on to say that in the merit of Aaron, there were the clouds of glory that protected the Jewish people. So Aaron dies, now the, the clouds of glory disappear. It was a force field. It protected the Jews from all arrows, all machine guns, all bombs, anything that the enemy would throw at the Jewish people. It would hit this cloud of glory, which were actually six clouds of glory, plus a seventh one in front, and it would turn into dust. Now the clouds of glory are gone. So there's no more force field. There's no more shield protecting the Jewish people. Now he says, let's attack the Jewish people. So this is the pshat. This is the simple interpretation of what took place over here in the 40th year after the Jewish people left the land of Egypt. We speak about the passing of Aaron. How do we understand this? Firstly, the idea of remez, of hint, which means to the future, when we speak about a Lazar Akoyin taking over the leadership position of the high priest, immediately this has to stir within us a desire and a yearning to see the garments of the high priest. This has to create a pining that where is the third holy temple? We want to go there. We want to pray there. We want to be part of this connection with Almighty God. So this is the Nemez, the hint, that one day we will see once again Aaron Akoe and the high priest wearing these garments. What is Drush, the homiletics? We find here in Rashi an interesting statement. Rashi brings down from Rabbi Bohu. Now that alone that he mentions a person's name is unusual because Rashi generally states the interpretation and in most occasions does not tell us who said it. If he does tell us who said it, it's because he's coming to tell us something deeper. He quotes in the name of Rabbi Bohu. And he says, you should know. Don't say 
that the people of Israel saw that Aaron died. Why not? Because did they actually see him die? No, they didn't see him die. They saw him walk up the mountain and they did not see him come down. But maybe he was having a picnic. Maybe he was eating lunch. What do you mean they saw him die? Says our bow, do not read Vayiru that they saw, but rather Vayirau, that they were seen, that they were exposed, they were vulnerable from the enemies of the Jewish people. Till now they were not seen because the clouds of glory created like an opaque vision. So you couldn't really see into the clouds. You couldn't see into the people. Now that the clouds disappeared, whoa, now we're exposed. Now they were rendered vulnerable. This is the teaching of Rabbi Bo. And the reason is, as we said earlier, because now the clouds of glory disappeared. But the question really here is, why does Rashi tell us about Rabbi Bohu? What's coming on? What's happening here? We find two stories in the Talmud pertaining to Rabbi Bohu. The first story is Rabbi Bohu speaks to a group of minim, non-believers, apostates, heretics. And he tells them that Rabbi Safra is a great Torah scholar and therefore you should not charge him taxes. And that is the halacha in the Talmud, that, that a, a rabbinic figure doesn't pay certain taxes. And this is true even today in America. It's called parsonage. It's called parsonage. Rabbis don't pay certain taxes. So, Rabbi Bo testifies that Rabbi Safra is a great Torah scholar, he should not have to pay taxes. After 13 years, this mean, this heretic, finally meets up with Rabbi Safra. He says, oh, you're the famous Absafra I heard about. I have a question for you in Scripture. Now, they were very big in Scripture. They didn't believe in the oral law, but they believed in the written law. And he asked them a question in Scripture, and Absafra is dumbfounded. He cannot respond. So he takes a handkerchief and he ties it around Absafra's neck like, I want to kill you. You're supposed to be a great Torah scholar. You can't even answer a simple question in Scripture. He does this to Absafra. Now, happens to be in the neighborhood and sees what's going on. He runs over and says, what are you doing? He says, look, you told me that Safra is a great Torah scholar, and he's not. I asked him a simple question in, in Scripture. Rabbi Bo says, well, tell me, what's the question? He tells Rabbi Bo the question, and he answers it. He says, hi, you see, you're a great Torah scholar. He's not. He says, no, no, no. He is a great Torah scholar in Talmud. I know Scripture. Why? Because I have to deal with the heretics. So my specialty is scripture. He deals with the students, Talmudic students. His specialty is Talmud. I didn't lie to you. It's the truth. Rabbi Safra is a genius. He's a going in Talmud. So from here we see the first story that Rabbi Bo, his specialty was scripture. Analyzing the words of the Torah. Another story we see in the Talmud. Rabbi Bo, Rabbi Chia come to a town. And they both begin to lecture. Rabbi Chia begins to lecture in Shemaitese, which means in Talmud and Halacha. And Rabbi Bo begins to lecture in Agada, which is stories of the Talmud. All the people leave Rabbi Chia and they run to Rabbi Bo. Say, he's more fun, he's more interesting, he's telling stories, midrashic stories, fabulous Rabbi is too technical over here. Details do this, don't do that. 
Abkhia felt all terrible. <coughs> what do you want? I'm telling stories. That's what they came to me. But you're a Torah scholar. You're a greater Torah scholar than I am. What do we see from here? That Rabbi Bo, number one, was proficient in scripture. And number two, he was also a genius in Agoda, which is, which is stories of the Talmud, homiletics, drush. And really they were both together. They're synonymous. And they complement one the other. He used the, the quality and license of homiletics to interpret the literal interpretation of Scripture. <coughs> and so Rashi quotes Rabbi Bo to tell us, that even though Vayiru means that the whole congregation of Israel saw Aaron, that he died, but yet, says Rashi, we need to also bring in here the homiletic interpretation, which is generally not the field of Rashi. Rashi takes the pshat, which is the, lo- the, lo- the He's the logician of the Torah. He takes the logical, plain interpretation of the Torah. But he says over here, when using Rabbi Bo, because even Rabbi Bo's interpretation based on homiletics is also very close to Scripture, very close to the literal interpretation and pshat of the Torah. So don't read Vayiru that they saw, but rather they were seen. Because now the clouds of glory were taken away. This is the, the, the drush, this is the homiletics of Rashi, of the parsha, We now move on to, to Soid. We speak about the name of Aaron. Now, what does Aaron mean? It's a very popular name, the name of, of, of Moses, his brother's name was Aaron. What does Aaron mean, right? Okay. So first of all, we see that he was buried on Hur Hur, on the mountain of mountains. In the name Aaron, you have the name Hur, which is mountain, Har. What is the idea of Har in, in Kabbalah? The idea of a mountain in Kabbalah represents love. Represents love. Because when, when you love someone, your heart is filled with emotion. You rise to the occasion. And you can't stay straight. You can't sit in your seat. The love is so strong, you, ha- you have to go out of yourself. So, Avram, Yusuf, Yaakov, Sarah, Rivka, Rachvaleah were called the mountains and the mohills of the Jewish people. Because they represented love to Almighty God. To, to lift up your heart in the path of God, which is through loving God. Now, so Aaron had this love. As we say in Ethics of Our Fathers, that was quoted earlier, he was known for loving everybody, men and women and children, and bringing families back together. And... We are told, follow in the path of our own. Don't be judgmental. Even people that are, are simpletons and people who don't have any great qualities about them, love them. And give them purpose. Bring them close to the Torah. So he was, number one, the idea of Hor, a mountain. Now, in Kabbalah and Chassidus, it explains that the love that Aaron had was even greater than the love of Avram Avinu. We know Abraham was called Isha Chesed a man of kindness and love. And yet, in Kabbalah it says that the love of Aaron was even greater than Avraham. And this is also hinted, hinted in the name of Aaron. Because Aaron is Aleph, Hey, Reish, Nun. So number one, Aleph stands for Pella. The letter, the letter Aleph, if you spell it out, 
and you read it in backwards, it spells out the word Pella, wondrous, implying a wondrous love. Also, Aleph Hedesh is an acronym for Avarabba, an intense, passionate love. Then you have the letter Nun. The letter Nun, which is the final Nun, is a very long letter. It goes beneath the baseline, implying that his love was not only in the theoretical, was not only aloof, only for the spiritual, but it actually impacted the world, and it went even beneath the baseline for those who violated Torah, who broke the laws of Torah, who went outside the norm of, of Judaism and, and Torah. And in truth, in the letter Nun, you find this idea as well, because the letter Nun has on it what you call a crown, tagging, and the tagging, the crown goes above the line, and then you have the majority of the letter that goes within the two lines, like when you're in school, they say, make sure you write the letters in the lines. Mm-hmm. But in Judaism, we go beneath the line also, which is the nun, the final leg of the nun goes beneath the baseline, implying that he connected with above those who are very spiritual, those who are average, and those who are even below average. So this is the idea of, of Aaron implying a person had tremendous love. It also says in other areas that the word Aaron is nida, again, to see and be seen. The same concept as we said earlier, to see God and, and to be seen by God. Now, what does Chassidus say about this? So, the question here is, what is the juxtaposition between the death of Aaron and Vayishma HaKnani Melech Arod. And the Canaanites heard that Aaron died. Why are these two stories connected one with the other? And really, what is the, the deeper connection between Aaron and the clouds of glory? As we stated earlier, Rashi says, what did he hear? He heard that Aaron died. And therefore the clouds of glory that protected the Jewish people, the force field, disappeared. And now the Jews were exposed. But why did the clouds of glory disappear? That's the question. We find that there were three daily miracles that took place in the desert. Number one, the Jews had manna from heaven. Every day manna came down. And Friday, a double portion. Shabbos, it didn't come down. From here we saw in the Torah, the mitzvah of Shabbos. You shall rest on Shabbos. No manna came down from heaven on Shabbos. A double portion came down Friday. Because of that, we have Lechem Mishnah, two chalice on the table on Shabbos. The manna came down in this chus, in the merit of Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses our teacher. Manna is like Torah. It's food. You eat it, you're internalized, and it gives you strength. A yid, a Jew, needs to learn Torah every day. That is our spiritual sustenance. And therefore, in this chus of Moshe, Moses, who was our teacher, Moshe Rabbeinu, the first teacher of the Jewish people, we merited to receive the manna from heaven. Furthermore, the Talmud says the Torah was only given to the generation that ate the manna. Why? As Rabbeinu Bachaya says, because the manna was so spiritual, it elevated us, it opened our minds, it made us more spiritual, like the angels, supernal angels, and therefore we were able to internalize and understand this 
brilliant, genius work that God gave us. So this is Moshe Rabbeinu. He gives us the manna. In the merit of Miriam, we have the rock of water, the rock of Miriam, Be'erisha Miriam. In the letters of Miriam, you have the word Mayim, Mem Yud Mem. The water came from Miriam. What is the idea of water? The idea of water is, says the Talmud, that a person who eats food and does not drink is liable to death. Why? Because the food needs water to circulate the body. If not, it's like a stone in your stomach and it cannot digest. The same is true. The mothers of Israel, their idea and their mission is to take the Torah and make sure it spreads throughout the entire family, that it impacts every aspect of your life. You go to yeshiva, you learn Torah, you come home, you forget it. The mother says, what did you learn today? How do you apply it? Now you have to make a bracha before you eat, before you go to sleep, make sure you say the Shema. It's not something you, you learn theoretically in school. It's like the water. It has to go from place to place. That is Miriam. Aaron and his merit came the clouds of glory. Why? Because Aaron represented Avat Israel to love your fellow as yourself unconditionally. The clouds surrounded us in one circle. They made us one nation. There's no top, there's no bottom. In a circle, everyone is equal. He treated everybody with love and dignity. That was the power of Aaron. And his contribution to Judaism and to the Jewish people and to the world is unconditional love. Now, when it came to the mana, there was a limit. You had an omer, 43 and two-fifth eggs that came. That was the size you had per day. It was a limitation. It was for Moses in his merit. There was a limitation. The water of Miriam, yes, it gave off water. You didn't pay taxes, water taxes. But, but, each nasi leader of the tribe took his staff and went to this Be'er of Miriam, to this brook of Miriam, and made a line all the way to his camp. And the water traveled all the way to his camp. But again, it, it was divided into 12 or 13 different camps. What united everybody, what united everybody was the clouds of glory. And this was in the merit of Aaron because he was a person that loved every person unconditionally. So now you have the death of Aaron. Now, just like the death of Miriam, when Miriam died, the water stopped. That's why Moses had to go and find the rock. And God tells Moses, don't hit the rock. And he hit the rock. And therefore God says to Moses, you're not going into the land of Israel. Now Aaron dies. And because Aaron dies, the clouds disappear. It was in his honor. He's no longer here. The clouds are disappearing. Now in truth, in both cases, after Miriam died, Moses brought back the water. It came back in Moses' honor. After Aaron died, Moses brought back the clouds. But for a while, it was gone. So now, it is in the merit of Aaron that these clouds were there. And therefore, Aaron was buried on Hor Hor, the mountain of mountains. Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses was buried on Har Nivo, Mount Nebo. But Aaron was buried on the mountain 
of the mountain, implying this tremendous love that he had beyond any leader for every single Jew. And that is why we find that there's only one place in the Torah pertaining to one individual that we talk about the date of his passing. It's not Abraham, it's not Isaac, it's not Jacob, it's not even Moses. In other words, we know when Moses passed away, the seventh day of Adar. But it doesn't say that in the five books of Moses. The only one that the Torah records his date of passing is Aaron Akoyim, Aaron. Because his date of passing represents his essence. He fulfilled his purpose. He reached his perfection. He passed away the first day, Rosh Chodesh Av, of the fifth month of the year. And he died 123 years old. That's what the Torah says. These two concepts amplify Aaron HaKohen's life. He was a person who brought people together. He was a peacemaker. He lived 120 years. That's perfection. But he lived three more years because three represents unity. There's the right and there's the left and then you bring it together. You know the famous story a husband and wife are arguing at the rabbi with the rabbi, the fighting and the, the, the rabbi listens to the husband and says, you're right. <laughs> then he listens to the wife and says, you're right. And then the mother-in-law comes in and says, how can they both be right? And he says, you're also right. <laughs> so the answer is, when you have three, when you have three, you have unity. If you have two, there's me against you, you against me. Two separate ideas. The idea of three, the number three represents unity. Aaron Akoyim brought about this unity. Similarly, he passed away on the first day of the month of Av. Day one, Echad. Echad is unity. God is one. The Jewish people are one. The nation is one. Everybody's one. We're all one. That was Aaron Akoyim's motto. We are one. And then he passed away in the fifth month. The number five represents a level beyond time and space. Four represents the four mothers. Three is the three fathers. Five represents a level beyond intellect, beyond understanding, represents infinity. That's why we have at the Seder, the four cups of wine. The fifth is the cup of Elijah, representing the coming of Mashiach, which is the redemption, the ultimate redemption. So this idea of five alludes to the fact that Aaron was able to go beyond the limitations, beyond all of these arguments, beyond divisiveness, and bring about this oneness. So what is the message? What is the message of the Parsha of Chukas? The message is that we need to be like Aaron Akoyan. You can argue and say, number one, I'm not a Kohen. I'm a Levite, I'm an Israelite. Number two is, I'm not the high priest, I'm not Moses' brother. Comes along the Torah and says, no. Hillel teaches us, shel Aaron. you shall be from the students of Aaron. In other words, each one of us has that spark of Aaron in us. And each one of us has the ability to overlook all the faults and differences of other people. <clears throat> and by doing so, we're going to bring about the ultimate redemption because the temple was destroyed because of sinas chinam, unwarranted hatred. And the way we're going to bring about the rebuilding of the third temple and the Kambi of Mashiach is by unconditional love.
So we hope and pray very, very soon to see the coming of Mashiach speedily in our days.